0: Shalom, You're listening to Live Internet Studies. This is episode number 141. My name is Ben Lyman Hanavi. Let's open with a word of prayer. Avinu ma'kenu, our Father, our King, Lord, we ask that you will be with us tonight once again as we embark on another journey into your words, into your ways of life, into your um, method of instructing us from an objective manner. We know, of course, that studying the Word is meant to be uh, performed Under the power of the Holy Spirit and so we avail ourselves of the Spirit tonight we ask that he would be with us uh, come into this place and fill us with the goodness of Messiah Yeshua and remind us of his words and help us to understand the text give us the um, desire to walk in your ways and to put practical application to the things that we study help us to continue to practice forgiveness and um, and mercy as we work with one another, as we interact with one another, continue to keep us safe during these pandemic times and give us a, a, a supernatural faith to, to believe that you are providing for us and that you are uh, taking care of us despite what it looks like in the headlines. We'll be careful, Lord, to give you the praise and glory of Hashem Yeshua. No Amen. Thank you, everyone, for joining me week after week. My name is Ariel lyman Hanavi. I'm a Torah teacher at Congregation Kehilat Latumah, the Harvest Congregation in Thornton, Colorado. As you can see on my screen right now, I've got our website pulled up. We'd love to have you join us in person and online, you can go to our website and find our uh, YouTube recordings right where you can see the thumbnail that I've got highlighted right now. Um, Pastor Mark is still going through his series, uh, but he's starting a new one. five types of spiritual leaders, prophets. and um, he's going to go through all of the, the, the different offices, prophets and preachers and teachers and evangelists. and, and you know, I think you guys are familiar with the passage that talks about this particular topic. So we'll hope you can join us one way or the other. I've also got my own um, website at www.tetzetorah.com. You can find me online at T-E-T-Z-E... T-O-R-A-H dot com. T-T-T-O-R-A-H dot com. And you can see all of the uh, links that I've got on my screen right now at the homepage. Um, that's how you can access all of the commentaries and studies that I put together. I've also got a YouTube channel that I'd like to uh, make you aware of. And this is where I spend a lot of my time these days. You can find me on YouTube at www.youtube.com forward slash C for the word channel forward slash Tate Torah Ministries. I'd love to have you visit my YouTube channel. Make sure you um, browse around and look at all the videos that I upload on a uh, practically a daily basis. Um if you look at all the uh, the thumbnails there and look at the, um, the timestamps as to when I upload them. Um, but while you're at my YouTube channel, make sure you do these uh, things for me in no particular order. Make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. That'll help me out. Hit the little bell for notifications. That way you'll be notified whenever I do upload new content. Hit the little thumbs up to let me know that you like the content that I'm posting. Be sure to leave comments um, to tell me what you agree with and what you disagree with. And let me know what you'd like to see on my channel. And then lastly, hit the little um, share icon that the way you can share the content with friends and family members in your social media network. And that would just really be great. Okay. Alrighty. These are the live internet studies that I bring to you week after week. Let me just give you some of the um, brief uh, details that we're looking at. This is episode number 141. Our meeting is June 7th, 2021 for the date in the USA, and we meet on Monday evenings from 7 p.m. to approximately 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Our long study is broken up into two 30-minute segments. The first segment is given over to Romans 14 Unplugged, Feasts and Fasts and Food, Oh My, We're in Part 57 tonight and segment two is entitled exploring the shema discussions on the issues of trinity we're in paper two yahweh and yeshua part 74 and we're still working our way this would just be part two of two parts Uh, last week we started in this kind of excursus uh topic where we are talking about trinity but we're mainly talking about this idea of faith and faithfulness and how that the faith that we have in God, and which eventuates in faith in Messiah, Yeshua, should naturally work its way out under the power of the Holy Spirit to obedience to God's ways, faithfulness to his covenant. That's the biblical model. Faith leads to faithfulness. It's just like James taught us. You show me your work, faith without works, but I'll show you my faith by my works. I'll show you the vindication of my faith with the actions that follow. So, that's what we're going through in segment two. We've got two f- YouTube uh, videos that we're going to watch tonight, and they're on those topics. They're both entitled Faith versus Faithfulness. One hits the um, Romans 117 passage, and the other is taken from Habakkuk 2.4. And of course, they're actually both linked to Habakkuk because it's Paul quoting Habakkuk in Romans where he says, the just shall live by faith. So, um, those are the videos tonight. If you'd like to join us uh, for our live internet studies week after week, simply get access to Skype on um, whatever device you decide to use, and I can tell you right now that if you're using a desktop or a laptop computer, all you have to do is click on that blue Skype link that you can see on my screen right now, and that will take you right into Skype using your browser, and uh, there's nothing else needed after that. You just join the the, the, the study when I'm um, uh, recording it live, when I'm Broadcasting uh, When I'm streaming, I guess, was, that's what they call it these days. Um, but if you don't have a desktop or laptop, if you're using a smartphone or Android phone or iPad or iPhone or something like that, then you might need to get an access. You might need the Skype app installed. You might need to log in, create an account but all of that's free. I mean, what's what are you waiting for? So join us via Skype. And then while you're on my website, scroll all the way to the bottom if you get a chance and take a look at the Blackfooter section. See where it says Weekly or Archives, uh, along with getting access to all of my uh, commentaries to all my weekly tour portions right there from that link. There's also a little yellow donate button. And if the Lord is blessing you to be a blessing to me financially, well, then this is the way that you can contribute to me and my ministry and keep... Help me keep bringing content like this uh, to you. Of course, it's available for free. And whether or not you, help, or not you donate, you're still going to receive the content. But if you are in a position where you can help me out, that would be great as well. I am uh, blessed to be able to be on the receiving end of, of your uh, gracious gifts and donations. So be blessed as you seek to be a blessing to others. All right, let's jump right into the uh, first study. Romans 14, Unplugged Feasts and Fasts and Food, Oh My. And I've got a commentary that is available on my website at tatesatorah.com, And we're working our way down through the commentary. And we've kind of parked ourselves out um, basically in the the idea of the introduction. I've got a section called Background and Historical Audience that I wrote after I wrote most of the commentary. I went back and wrote this particular section. And we're eventually going to uh, work our way to... let me find it... we're eventually going to work our way to the um, conclusion section that you see on my screen right now. But for now we're working through some supplementary material that is provided by Tim Haig. So let's turn to that material. We're on a um, Kind of like i said a, a, a digression of sorts a bit of supplementary material i call it excursus uh, topic uh, where we're talking about the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of god this is these are phrases that we find in the gospels themselves but what we're learning from the uh, use of tim haig's matthew commentary that we're accessing right now is that this term kingdom of heaven has an impact on the way a first century jew would have interacted with the people of God, the scriptures of God, the salvation plans of God. Particularly from Paul's perspective, that's the vantage point that we're primarily interested in, as it, of course, directly impacts our Roman study. When, we, when Paul thought of the kingdom of God, and slash heaven, the kingdom of God, then he naturally Pulled his theology and his ideology and his concepts from the existing scriptures of his day. This means there was a very Israel-centric aspect to the kingdom of God, a very covenant-keeping aspect to the kingdom of God. What people were in the kingdom, You know, who was the king and who were his people, and what were their responsibilities to him as the king. All of this is relevant to our Roman study, but we're using Tim Hague's Matthew commentary to show it to us. So we've already looked at uh, parts uh, probably 1 and 2 and 3. Now we're in part 4. I think I've got the numbers right. Um, And Tim Hague's talking about these uh, uh, bullet points, and he's in his third bullet point. So you can see on my screen right now where it says thirdly. So let's just pick up the record. Uh, study again where it says thirdly here's what tim Haig has to talk about just so you know last week we talked about how that the kingdom of god is therefore a call to join an entirely i'm sorry to join an entity already in existence not a call to initiate and construct a new kingdom which not previously existed so this is a um a slam on supersessionism Uh, or replacement theology, or any form of dispensationalism that sets Israel off to the side while God focuses on the church. That's what we're kind of combating. What we believe that Paul was working with was not a dismissal of Israel as a people group. Rather, God was using his two-step program of using Israel first to reach out to Gentiles and bring them into the family, and then step two, using Gentiles to reach back to over the uh, over to the Israel side of the house and bring uh, a stumbling Israel back into the family, and then in the end, all Israel shall be saved. All of God's family, uh, both Jews and Gentiles, comprising the Abrahamic family, will be the kingdom participants that God has in mind. So, this is the perspective that we find when we read through the prophets: is that Israel is the chosen servant to bring this message to the Gentiles and then bringing them in would... Uh, afford an opportunity to witness to those uh, Jews who had not yet joined the salvation program. So um, we need one another. That's what we're talking about. As difficult as that might sound, let's talk talk tonight about a, another aspect of this kingdom of God as Tim Head describes it. and He's going to talk about the Torah. Something that we talk about a lot on this particular channel and this this particular um, uh, uh, podcast is how does the law of moses the torah the constitution of the kingdom which of course now includes the apostolic scriptures and the uh uh, the sufficiency of those writings how does this play into um our understanding as kingdom participants if you're a believer in messiah you're in the kingdom already even if you're not a believer in Messiah, but you're of uh, Jewish extraction, you're on a, in one sense, you're on, you're on a borrowed uh, uh, visa into the kingdom. You've got earthly citizenship with uh, earthly covenant membership in Abraham's family, but you're not yet into the eternal kingdom. Remember, there's two aspects, as if this is going to confuse you a bit more there's the kingdom and covenant membership at the eternal level which is the level that you, we could say that heavenly level, heart level, you enjoy that by placing your genuine faith in God, which leads to genuine faith in Yeshua, Jesus as your Lord. That's the heavenly level. That's kingdom membership at the heavenly level. That's 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 the greatest and everlasting type of um, covenant membership kingdom level that you can enjoy but for those who are jews who have been raised in a family that's connected to israel at that covenant level then you are still a member but it's not an everlasting member your your membership is going to expire when you die if you don't place your faith in jesus in this lifetime those who are from the nations are not even at that temporary level They're still outside of the covenant perspective. They have no covenant level with God at all. They have no um, uh, kingdom participation. They're in the dark completely when it comes to covenant membership. They're not even at that earthly level. They need to be brought into some relationship with God. Thankfully, they don't have to convert to Judaism. They don't have to become Jewish. They simply need to place their faith in Yeshua, and they're brought directly into that heavenly level. So let's talk about the message of the Torah, the king's Teachings, Tim Heg uh, writes. Thirdly, the message of the gospel of the kingdom incorporates the message of the king's established and revealed commandments. This topic that we're talking about of the Torah and the um, teaching of the king, the teachings of the king, this is going to actually play over into my uh, Shema study night because we're talking about faith and faithfulness. Faith, of course, is that ingredient that needs to be present in a believer's life so that he can have a genuine relationship with god so that he knows he's connected to uh... the king at the heart level that's what you need that's justification but there's another aspect of our relationship with god that we're talking about in my shema study faithfulness describes sanctification it's when the power of the holy spirit moves you and empowers you, enables you to actually walk in God's ways and to be pleasing to God from a behavioral perspective. God doesn't love you any less when you step out of line, but blessings can be withheld if you're disobedient. So uh, the Torah comes along as a sanctification tool to help you come in line with the words of God, the ways of God, and then you can you uh, prime yourself to be a candidate for the blessings of God in ways that were not possible if you were not walking into his ways. God doesn't bless wickedness. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, God doesn't bless wickedness. That's a biblical principle. And so let's talk about this. The message of the gospel of the kingdom incorporates the message of the king's established and revealed commandments. Where did God establish his commandments and how has he revealed them to his people? Well, initially, he laid them down in the law of Moses, the Torah of Moshe. And then we built on that with the writings and the prophets, and the writings continued to grow as we moved into the, um, the writings of the apostles that were penned by, of course, Paul being the chief of the writers there. And then, of course, we've got the gospel writings. And then eventually, we ended up with the Bible that we have in our hands today. This is the established and revealed word of God, the commandments that we as kingdom participants need to uh, pattern our lives after. The good news, Tim Haig says, is not merely that of escape, from condemnation when we're talking about the gospel though well, this is a most wonderful and foundational aspect of the gospel when you're witnessing to people you're wanting you're typically focusing on that heart change and the aspect of of, of um, declaring Jesus as Lord when you're witnessing to people you're not really um, trying to sell the commandments to them right up front you know hey did you know that you need to to uh, keep the commandments and the only way you can do that is if you're a member of the kingdom you know typically that's not your approach it's usually like the you know the four spiritual laws or the 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 the, the, the gospel road, the gospel I can't remember what they call the Romans road or something like that, something that you're using from a tract or something where you're explaining to them how that they are in a place where they're separated from God at a spiritual level, and that's the good news, but it. But Tim Hicks bringing out is that that's not where it ends. Yes, bring people into the kingdom through the gospel. Start there. But don't forget, after they make a profession of faith, that discipleship is the next step. Right? Go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them everything that I've uh, 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 taught to observe you, as Tim Hicks is going to talk about next. The apostles, remember in Matthew, the apostles are instructed to do what? To teach the future members of the kingdom quote to observe all that i've commanded you and quote that's matthew 28 20 the great commission so take the gospel of salvation to them And then bring the um, inclusion of the commandments. What did Yeshua command his disciples? Of course, he's going to command them that which his father gave him. Tim Haig says, membership in the kingdom of heaven requires submission to the rule and reign of the king. That makes sense from an earthly perspective, right? If you're going to enjoy membership in the kingdom of a king, but you're going to thumb your nose at his rules that doesn't work. That's not going to fly with the king. He finds out you're you're thumbing your nose at his rules, and he just might um, decide to exercise some punishment, right? I don't think he's going to kick you out of the kingdom right away. Remember, we have a gracious God, a merciful king. He's loving and forgiving. You break one or two rules from time to time, and he's going to say, okay, are you sorry for what you did? Are you genuinely repentant and, and seek restitution? And do you want to change your ways and and seek to do better the next time, if you say, yes, yes, Lord, yes, I'm sorry, then of course he's going to forgive you, right? This is the kind of God we serve. So he's not expecting perfection, and he's not the kind of God who's going to zap you every time you make one wrong move. But we do need to try, right? And fortunately, we're not trying under our own power. It's not all about Ariel trying to keep the commandments. There is some of Ariel in there trying to keep the commandments. Don't get me wrong. I have my own will and volition to keep God's commandments. But at the same time, I've been empowered by the Ruach Kodesh, the Holy Spirit, to keep His commandments. Let's keep reading Tim Haig. He writes Thus, the message of the gospel must include not only the glory of forgiveness based upon the infinite and unfailing grace of God in Messiah. But also the message of sanctification, that is, the requirement to pursue holiness as befits those who claim kingdom identity and who are endowed with the sanctifying presence of the Spirit. Basically what I just talked about. This is because the gospel of the kingdom is, at its heart, a message incorporating a covenant relationship with its king. All too often in our day, the gospel is truncated that is shortened to include only the message of forgiveness without mention of what characterizes the lives of true citizens of the kingdom. Understanding what Tim Egg's trying to say there, it's too easy for us to peddle what's what's termed cheap grace or a law-free gospel, where we're telling people you need to believe in Jesus, you need to confess Him as Lord, and then you need to let go and let God, or you need to um, relax and re- rely and relax, or whatever type of bumper sticker type slogan that you've um, heard before. And unfortunately, that doesn't give us a place where we're taught to seek God's ways through his words. Well, yes, we get a superficial introduction to the Bible through the Gospels. um, And maybe we're encouraged to carry a pocket New Testament and pull it out whenever you're in trouble and you need a quick... uh, quick fix and, you know, you got to, you know, fire off a quick email message to God and let him know you're in trouble and that you need his help. Uh, but that's, that's the type of kind of, um uh, how should I call it, kindergarten Christianity that, that we unfortunately uh, have too much of in the world today. Um, uh, you know, chicken soup for the soul type Christianity, where it, it you know, Christianity, it all feels good. And, um, you know, we're seeking that which makes us feel good. Uh, and we're not really allowing the Holy Spirit to push us into places where we can grow. And unfortunately, that's why I call it kindergarten. Because it, it um, those types of um, sermonettes that we're used to hearing, you know, 15 minutes on Sunday morning, uh, one pastor put it this way, sermonettes only serve to produce Christianettes, right? In other words, we, we remain in kind of in baby mode, and toddler mode, where we're just um, feeding on Christianettes. Um, on baby food all the time. And we're not really uh, training our faculties, our spiritual faculties to uh, learn how to handle meat. And the only way we're going to grow is if we eventually, just like in my example of, the, of a human, we're going to grow as we move from baby food to solid food and then eventually to even more solid, uh, you know, not just baby-sized version of solid food, but eventually as we grow into uh, uh, children and into uh, teenagers and eventually into young adults, then we're going to start digesting solid food so that our body can uh, grow even more. That's the same principle in the spirit. We've got to avail ourselves of the meat of the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to help us digest it. That way our members can grow, our body can grow, and we can continue to strengthen ourselves in the Lord and become um, righteous uh, uh, participants in this kingdom, righteous in the behavior sense, in the sense that we're turning from sin. One pastor put it this way. uh, Sanctification, the process of sanctification, is essentially the... Um process of of um, sinning less and less as you get older in the Lord, as you grow in the Lord as you get as you continue to um, um, uh, grow in his grace, you're sinning less and less because you're um, continually trimming away that which in your life you realize doesn't please the Lord so this is I'm speaking to the choir for most of us, but the part that um, Tim Hagg's Tim trying to highlight in case you didn't catch it is that for many Christians. When I talk about digesting the Word of God under the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't just mean the New Testament. That pocket New Testament you're carrying, go back to the Bible bookstore and pick yourself up a full-blown burned, blown version of the Bible. Get something that includes the knock, that includes the Old Testament, and start living your life according to the whole Bible, not just the last third of your Bible. You know what I'm talking about? all right let's let's finish with Tim Haig tonight. it's a very short section and we'll finish uh we'll use um we'll turn to fourthly next week but uh Tim Hag concludes by saying that um we're starting right sorry I didn't mean to do that um Tim hag talks about uh give me a second get out of there uh Tim Hag talks about such a synthetic gospel quote unquote you know, where we're talking about a law-free gospel or a cheap grace type gospel, this type of gospel message, where we're only focusing on the salvation aspect as it um, as it uh, benefits your your s- salvation experience, you know, being saved from heaven. Uh, I'm sorry, saved from hell. Um, uh, uh, you know, the fire escape from hell type of uh, message. This fails to produce members of the kingdom because it's not the message of the king. Eventually, if all people hear is that it's all about getting in, it's all about uh going to heaven um people who hear that type of message are prone I'm not saying they they turn this way out this way always, and I don't think Tim Higgs saying this either but but if there were if all we're telling people is that um it's all about heaven it's all about heaven. Don't worry about this earth. Don't worry about what the troubles are around you. Don't worry about trying to live, live holy lives. Don't worry about studying God's word so that you can live lives that are pleasing God. Of course, that's hyper, um, uh, that's, that's kind of hyperbole. and Most preachers wouldn't talk that way. But you'd be surprised about what's being taught, uh, preached around the pulpits around the world these days. Um, this type of message, if that's all we're hearing, it's going to fail to produce members of the kingdom because it's not the message of the king. It's not what God wants for his people. It's not what Yeshua taught. Rather, to make concludes this anemic gospel that I'm describing, uh, the one that's deficient, has resulted in the establishment of man-made kingdoms, right? Little king K for kingdom there, where the rule of Messiah is hardly evident or, in some cases, is entirely eclipsed in the bright lights of, quote, Hollywood Christianity, end quote. And so, that's the unfortunate um, result that we can expect if we're not giving people the full uh, measure of the Word of God, if we're not giving them the full counsel of God's Word, if we're not teaching them that along with being set free from your sin, you now have a responsibility to pursue the holiness and the righteousness that Messiah has conferred to you. No, you can't do it on your under your own power. That's why the Holy Spirit is come going to come into your life and, and empower you to walk in levels of holiness that you never thought possible. He's going to help you make the decision to turn away from sin. It will be your decision, but it will be the Holy Spirit empowering you at the same time. And as you continue to turn from sin, God will continue to use you in greater and mightier ways in this walk. That's the way it works. Avail yourself of the teachings of God, the the um what what did Tim Hay call it? The teaching of the King, which He's going to teach that it includes the Torah of Moshe, and I'm going to teach that as well. And that's going to do it for our um, uh, Romans 14 uh, Feast and Fast and Food my! supplement material for tonight. Next week, we'll start off right where you can see on my screen now, where it says fourthly. We'll continue talking about this kingdom aspect, okay? Let's turn now to exploring this Shema. I'm sorry, to, uh, 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 yes, exploring the Shema, discussions on the issues of Trinity. Let me bump the uh, font up so we can see this table. And we're working our way through this uh, table that uh, Karm has supplied it f- supplied for us. And um, last week, we looked at the fact that we believe in God in John 14, 1, and the same passage challenges us to believe with equal measure in Messiah. Yeshua said it best. Believe in God, believe also in me. We saw that the same Greek word is used, pistuita, in both cases, which is rooted in the Greek word pistuo, believe in God. Yeshua is challenging us with the idea that your belief in God should eventuate in belief in me. And if you already have, claim to have a genuine belief in God, then it's natural that you do believe in me. That's the next natural step. That's the way this belief works in the kingdom. Let's talk tonight about the fact that in the Trinity, when we're talking about the persons of the Trinity, there's a joy that comes from our relationship with God. Karm's chart lists two verses. They have the father part blanked out. There's nothing there that they pulled in by way of reference. But for the son, they have John 15, um, 11, right there. And for the Holy Spirit, they have Romans 14 7. So, what I've decided to do, as usual, I decided to fill in my own references for, for God the Father, uh, drawing from the Tanakh. So, let's turn straight to some of the scripture references. And then, what we're going to do tonight, after we look at the passages, right, we're going to jump through Nehemiah and John and Romans for the Trinity part. Then, we'll pick up our study uh, after looking at Galatians and Thessalonians as well for the Trinity part. If we've got time, which I think we will, we'll pick up the study where we left off uh, talking about faith and faithfulness last week, and we'll we'll conclude it tonight by looking at David Stern's version of Galatians 3, where he um, quotes the, um, where he's pulling in Paul's quote in uh, v- uh, chapter 3, verse 11, um, where Paul's quoting um, Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith, and We'll also pull in the um, information from uh, my Galatians commentary. Let me find where I need to be, where uh, we're talking about the Habakkuk uh, verse and how that plays into Paul's understanding of it. And we'll look at that from my commentary perspective. And then after that, we'll turn to the um, uh, liturgy. Okay, so let's jump right into the, that's what we're in store for tonight for the um, Shema study. So let's turn to the first passage charm a uh, carm doesn't have this reference in their chart i decided to pull it up on my own in the in nehemiah there's a familiar passage if i drop down where um we even have uh songs that have been um created uh from this particular uh sentence and in nehemiah 8 verse 10 uh the prophet says then he said to them go your way eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send Portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved. Why? It's the last clause I don't want to focus on. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't even need to jump into the Hebrew to to, to see the significance of this. We're simply focusing on the word joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Notice it's the the joy of the Lord. The the ches of. Uh, the kedvat. I'm sorry. I am looking at the Hebrew. It is the chedvat um, of the Lord. The chedvat adonai is the is your strength, and it's this joy that comes from the Lord that we experience in our relationship with the Lord. His joy becomes our joy becomes our strength it's very easy to, to conceptualize it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this verse out if you have a relationship with god and if that relationship is genuine so that there's spiritual activity on the inside so that the holy spirit is talking with you and communing with you and connecting you to the lord himself of course, this is only possible if you've surrendered your will into the hands of the Lord via His Son Messiah Yeshua. Only this type of relationship uh, is going to result in the genuine joy of the Lord in your life. Anything other than that's going to be superficial. From a Trinity perspective, there's only one God. We serve one God, and so when Nehemiah writes that the joy of the Lord is your strength, he had God in mind. The the, the tetragrammaton name of God is used in the Hebrew right? Chedvat Adonai. It's the joy of Adonai, Y-H-V-H. That is your strength. From there, we can turn now to John, where Karm reminds us that Yeshua, speaking to his disciples, says to them, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. It's the same concept again. It's joy And yet, the joy that Yeshua is expressing to his disciples is a joy that incorporates our relationship with God through the Son. It's an exclusive type of relationship that you cannot have unless you know Yeshua, unless you have surrendered to his Lordship. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you. There's a joy that comes from Yeshua that can only be experienced if you surrender your life to Yeshua. And what are you waiting for? If you're listening to my podcast right now, if you're watching this YouTube video, and if you don't know who Jesus is as Lord, you must. Uh, you can confess him as Lord. You can cry out to him. You can, I mean, preachers would typically tell you, pray the sinner's prayer. But God knows your heart. Reach out to him, surrender your life into his hands. Um, Pray that the Lord would come into your heart. I can't promise you that. It'll be instantaneous right there and on the spot. As soon as you pray the prayer, Jesus moves in and then you're good to go. Uh, You know, it's not a formula. It's not magic. It's not like Harry Potter, Hocus Pocus. But the promises that we have from the Bible is that he makes himself available to those who call out to him. He's a merciful Messiah and he's seeking for you. So why not seek for him? Okay? So um, this is a type of joy that we're uh, um, uh, experiencing as believers in Messiah. He wants his joy to be in us that our joy may be full and that's the type of kingdom relationship like we talked about in the in the roman study that's the type of relationship that the father that the king envisions let's look at the next passage in romans chapter 14 Paul says, for the kingdom of God, right? There's our connection to our um, Roman study, kingdom of God. Paul's going to use this phrase as well. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but what is it? It's righteousness and peace. And this time, Paul says, joy in the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute, Paul. Isn't it joy in the Lord like Nehemiah talked about? Paul, isn't it joy in Yeshua like John recorded for us? Why are you telling us that it's joy in the Holy Spirit? Ah, because Paul understands that God is complex in his nature. It is the joy of the Lord, right? YHVH, the tetragrammaton name of God is expressed in Nehemiah. It is the joy of the Lord. And Paul understands and affirms that it is Yeshua's joy that is in us. It is the Son. But Paul knows that the Bible has demonstrated that God in his complexity, nevertheless, can be known through the person of the Father, the person of the Son. And now Paul's going to confess that there is another person known as the Holy Spirit. And that's why he writes, joy in the Holy Spirit it's one God and therefore the joy that we um, that we, uh, uh, that we uh, uh, um, have that we possess is not just joy in God exclusive uh, or irrespective of the understanding of the Son and the Spirit rather if we have this real relationship with the King if it's a genuine uh, relationship with God and it's genuine heart circumcision, then we are going to have the joy of the Lord and the joy of Yeshua and the joy of the Holy Spirit. And that's how they all come together. I mean, it's so simple. Why do we try to make it complex? Let's look at a few more passages. In Galatians uh, 5.22, this is a very familiar passage. Most of us have this memorized, right? It's really verse 22 and 23, but Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit... Right? He's, he's talking about this spirit relationship again. The spirit in our lives is what? Love joy there's that j word again the joy peace patience kindness goodness fruitfulness he continues in verse 23 gentleness self-control against such things there is no law so we have this joy of the lord we do have the joy of our lord messiah as well not just from the father but through the son and it's this fruit of the spirit that we can notice this joy in our life as is manifest because of that genuine spirit activity. And if you don't have the fruit of the spirit in your life, if you're noticing as you take personal inventory that there's an absence of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, goodness, faithfulness, notice many of these attributes, these these characteristics of this fruit that's being described by Paul, notice that many of these can only be experienced as we interact on a community level with one another. You can't really um, claim that you have peace, patience, and kindness and goodness with God. I mean, it's really best expressed as you move in and among the human relationships. The love and the joy, and it does come from God's spirit, but at the same time, it empowers us this fruit, empowers us to have um, uh, relationships one with another, especially with fellow believers, at the level that it's it, it's demonstrated in our patience with one another, in our kindness towards one another, in our overall goodness and expression of faithfulness, not just to God, but to each other. Gentleness is mentioned there against self-control, against the flesh, against such things there is no law. So as the power of the Holy Spirit is seen in our lives, and if we are um, walking in the Spirit and allowing the fruit to be manifest on this tree of ours, to follow through with the analogy that Paul introduced, then others around us are going to be able to partake of the fruit in our lives. They're going to see that there's a love uh, in our lives. They're going to notice the joy and the peace, and they're going to recognize that we have a, a supernatural patience about us and a kindness that they can't put their finger on. This is the way that we live as kingdom members. Remember, in our a, um, a roman study we talked about the kingdom the kingdom of god and the king's teachings the commandments of god which includes the whole council of the word of god this includes the five books of moses this is the tool that god the father is going to utilize by the power of his spirit in us to bring about this fruit of the spirit this love this joy, this peace he's going to give that to us freely as we walk into his ways he's going to avail his spirit to us and empower us to not just want to be obedient, but to be able to be obedient. And thus, there will be um, fruit that's uh, noticeable in our lives. They're going to all work together. It's not going to be your own power doing it. It's not going to be your own will uh, choosing to walk into the power and and to the uh, uh, commandments of God. At the same time, God's not just going to um, shove the Bible in your face and say, okay, plug yourself into the Holy Spirit and start walking in my ways. Go ahead, do it do it, go ahead. He's not going to do that either. You're not doing it on your own. And yet God's not um, saying, okay, just sit back, relax. Let me do everything for you. It's a, it's a, it's a synergism. It's a, um, it's a partnership between the spirit of God and your own will. To bring about the the, the type of um, person that God has um, in store for you. Let's look at one more passage under the Shema study. Um, in First Thessalonians one, uh, in verse six, Paul says, "And you, speaking to the brothers there, the believers, you became." imitators of us and of the lord for you receive the word right the instructions from the king you receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the holy spirit again the joy of the holy spirit so this is just rounding out this view that when we're talking about kingdom and we're talking about a king and his kingdom and his commandments. And we're talking about understanding this king and having a right relationship with this king. It starts with acknowledging that there is only one king. There's only one God and he is the king, but he brings his Messiah. He establishes his Messiah to rule in his kingdom. I don't understand exactly how that works. If there's one king and it's God, then how can Messiah be king as well, right? Isn't there only one king? And the answer is, of course, yes, there's one God. But Messiah is king. And he takes up a residency within your heart as you confess him as Lord, as you pray the sinner's prayer, as you come into this salvation experience in the kingdom. And then Yeshua sends his Holy Spirit Yeshua sends the Spirit of God, the Spirit of his Father. Is it the Holy Spirit of Messiah, or is it the Holy Spirit of the Father, or is it just the Holy Spirit? The answer is, of course, again, yes. That's how we interact with this God of ours. It's one God, and yet there are these three persons that we know from reading the Bible, as difficult and challenging and mysterious as that can be, that God is complex in his nature. But we can see it as we work our way through these different passages uh, that uh, Karm has provided for us using different attributes and words, uh, and, and kind of, um, uh, concepts and character traits that are revealed to us through the words of God. Let's continue through this, um, uh, uh, study in the Trinity series. Uh, we're going to turn and look at Galatians real quick. We'll finish this tonight. We talked last week about faith and faithfulness and how that faith gives rise to faithfulness or faith leads to obedience, if you have genuine faith in God, which equals genuine faith in Yeshua, then you will have genuine faithfulness to God's words. It's guaranteed because the Holy Spirit is the one empowering you to be faithful. And the Holy Spirit is not um, he's not uh, inept. He's not uh, powerless. He's not um, someone who is powerless to change. Uh, you. He he will get his way done because he's very God. And so notice that in Galatians chapter 3, I quoted and, and set you up for this last week, Paul, speaking to the church at Galatia, reminds them of what Habakkuk already said. Paul says in verse 11 of Roma, of um, Galatians, Now, it is evident that no one comes to be declared righteous by God through legalism, since, and then he quotes, the person who is righteous will attain life by trusting and being faithful. Now, if you're saying, but that's not the way I've heard the verse... That's not the way I read it, okay yeah, that's right it shouldn't that's not how we normally hear it the by trusting and being faithful, but notice what David Stern is doing is he's adding this term trusting and being faithful, and the reason he's uh, stretching it out is because of the Hebraic understanding of this one word which is pistis, which we looked at last week. this word pistis, which means faith um, uh, is connected to. The noun and the verb are connected to one another in the idea of faith and faithfulness. The idea of uh, trust and um, believing and things like that. So let's kind of peek at my uh, commentary notes from Galatians and see how this works itself out. I have a um, note on the Habakkuk passage in my commentary. If you hover over um, where it says Habakkuk, you can see the verse there as we normally are used to hearing it. The righteous shall live by his faith. I think this is ESV. Quote, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But, and here's the way we're normally used to hearing it, the righteous shall live by his faith, or the just shall live by faith. Again, remember that Paul quotes this passage in two places prominently. In Romans 1, 14, and then again here in Galatians uh, 3, verse 11. So let's look at um, some of the uh, uh, ramifications of this Habakkuk quote, as I've uh, outlined it in my um, study to Galatians. Uh, Paul quotes from Habakkuk 2:4 in the second clause of my commentary to prove that works of the law will not justify or save a person. Interestingly, I go on to say, uh, many Bible translations use faith for the Greek of, of Galatians 3.11 here when um, translating Paul's quote from Habakkuk two four. So they say the just shall live by faith, just like we find it normally in our Bibles. They carry that quote over into um, the Greek version, meaning they're working from a Hebrew original, but or Aramaic, whichever uh, Habakkuk wrote in, I believe it was uh, Hebrew at the time. But when we get to the Greek, Paul's using Greek in Romans and in Galatians, and so most translations use the word faith. However, I go on to say, many of those same translations use faithfulness, isn't that interesting, for their translation from the original Hebrew, Right? It's almost as if they change the concept. Faith is the concept that they know is present in Paul's comment in his uh, quote from the passage in Romans and in Galatians. But then when those same Bibles translate Habakkuk, they don't use faith. Some of them say faithfulness. So let's look at this. In my notes I say, in the Habakkuk passage, James D.G. Dunn, a uh, popular... Uh, Christian uh, Bible translator, uh, commentator, uh, who's since gone on to be with the Lord just recently, within the last five or so years, he has this to say about the Habakkuk uh, passage. He says the usual understanding of Habakkuk two four out of the Masoretic text, which is the Hebrew, is quote will live by his faithfulness. Notice that's the normal rendering to understand what the prophet is actually trying to convey. It is not necessary, Dunn says, to the discussion here in Galatians to resolve the question of whether Paul intended the ekpistios, the by faith, to go with hodekaios, the righteous, or zesitai, will live. So there's a big discussion in theological circles that I'm not going to get into right now. When Paul says, the righteous shall live by faith, is he talking about, is it the righteous by faith will live? Or is it the righteous will live by faith? Which side do we put that clause on? And does it matter? And I can tell you there's been a lot of theological ink spilled over which side we should place um, the by faith on. Is it on one, on one side of the righteous or is it on the other side of will live? I'm not going to get into that tonight. What I do want to talk about is just this particular aspect. I might finish this up tonight. Let me see how, how far I need to go. Yeah, I think I can finish this. I only have two paragraphs to go. So just bear with me. Let me read this for you. This is from my Galatians commentary, which is available on uh, my website at taitsator.com. So we're going to discuss faith and faithfulness a bit more closely, I say in my commentary, when we examine the second clause of Galatians 3.12 below. But for now, in this section, I want you to notice how Paul sets at odds what the influencers were taking for granted, right? Remember, the influencers are what Christians call the Judaizers, but you guys know by now I avoid using that word Judaizer because as a Jew, I find it rather insulting, it's rather pejorative to, to insult someone by calling them a Judaizer, as if to live like a Jew is a bad thing. Because that's what the word "Judaizer" lives means to live like a Jew. You, you died so in the Greek, um, "Yudaiizo" so to live like a Jew. It shouldn't be a bad thing, especially if you are a Jew. I mean, hello. Okay. So these are the influencers, uh, the detractors in Paul's piece, the the um, opponents of 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 Paul's gospel message. So, what were they taking for granted? Namely, righteousness is grounded in ethnicity and, ta- and Torah maintenance, which is what we call works of law. That was their program. They believed that Gentiles needed to, con- to uh, convert to become Jewish in order to be counted as righteous. So, from their skewed understanding of God's righteousness, the influencers were putting the cart before the horse they were putting their jewish identity which led to torah observance that whole package is called the works of the law that that um kind of that uh, what we might call a rite of passage that program covenant of that skewed version of covenantal gnomism was their whole per- perspective of resulting in righteousness or genuine covenant membership but paul was on a mission to reverse that errant theology righteousness is not grounded in ethnicity and Torah maintenance. Instead, Paul is going to go on record as teaching that righteousness is grounded in Messiah and what he has done for us on the cross as we place our faith in him. And once his spirit takes up residency within you, you are righteous and you will be subsequently empowered to walk into the Torah. That's the genuine gospel message that Paul's going to teach. So, Paul does this by reminding his readers, right, in Galatians, of what the book of Habakkuk teaches on how the genuinely righteous will live. How will the genuinely righteous person conduct his life? What is his life supposed to look like? Let's continue reading. Uh, Let me scroll up a little bit there. We continue. Paul uses the scriptures to counter these um, uh, 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 influencers, to counter their limited nationalistic line of reasoning. This tells us that the um, works of the law that he's fighting against is not abiding by all things written in the book of the law to do them, right? Galatians 3.10. Because works of the law was subtracting the one chief ingredient of the law, which was genuine faith in God, which is genuine faith the Messiah. And if you lack genuine faith in Messiah, if you bypass that with your man-made uh, conversion policy and your man-made works-based religion known as um, uh, proselyte conversion, nationalism, all of that, if you're bypassing genuine faith in Messiah, then you're not doing all that that is written in the book of the law. You're forgetting the chief commandment of the law genuine faith in God. That's why I say in my commentary that works of the law attracts the curse of the law in Galatians 3.10, right? And the works of the law do not count as true faith, Galatians 3.12. But... Instead, I say, actually count as self-effort. Read Galatians 3.3. So it is legalism. It's self-effort. It's it's merit theology. It's a unique twist on it because the Jews in in the first century didn't think they had to do something to be counted as covenant members. They thought they were brought into the covenant at birth because they were born Jewish and born into Israel. And they thought all that was left of them was to maintain my place in the covenant by keeping God's commandments. But, again, Paul's going to come along and tell you, no, you guys aren't quite getting it. Let's keep reading my commentary. Because the verb justified, which is dikaiutai, is parallel to the adjective righteous, dikaios, right? Notice these two Greek words, dikaiutai and dikaios. They even sound the same, the same first five uh, letters, d-i-k-a-i, and even the sixth letter, o. It's because they're rooted in the same Greek word. Words, the same Greek um, uh, foundational concepts, and that's why the the uh, cognates are related to one another. The the um, verbs and the adjectives and the nouns they all sound similar. Basically, um, based on this uh, relationship, we could actually paraphrase the verse along these lines. Right, this is Paul speaking. Listen to the way I've paraphrased Galatians three verse twelve. Let me read the. Let me show you the verse in. Um, Uh, uh, let me see, is it verse 3, verse 12 that I'm quoting? No, it's, um, maybe it's verse 11. I apologize which verse I'm I'm, uh, uh, referencing here. But let me just read my own um, paraphrase here and you can just listen along. Here's the way I kind of paraphrase it. Based on the the idea of faith and faithfulness working together the way Paul would see it. I believe this is close to what Paul's trying to explain. This is uh, Galatians 3.11. Clearly, no one is declared as righteous before God by a Jewish-only law commitment because the scriptures, this is Paul talking, they've already demonstrated in Abraham and continue to teach with Habakkuk that the person who is declared as righteous by God himself will be justified by that person's genuine faith and will live his life according to such faith you understand how i'm mixing and bringing the two concepts back together not in a bad way but the idea of genuine faith as one side of this coin in god's hand and genuine faithfulness as the other side of this coin in god's hands faith and faithfulness are both precious to god let me conclude this part of my study tonight with this last paragraph of my own commentary alternately Shaul's statement, uh, his quote from Habakkuk, is a theological teaching against any mistaken notions that Torah obedience in and of itself automatically granted covenant status to the individual participant, whether Jewish or Gentile. You understand what I mean by that? In the first century, they were not teaching, those Jewish religious leaders, they weren't really teaching that Keeping Torah equals covenant membership, or keeping Torah equals salvation. It's not the way they were wielding their understanding of Torah, the way that modern church theologians today describe merit theology and works righteousness. The first century Judaisms didn't have that particular blindness. Remember, from their perspective, grace was meted out to God's people at birth. You were brought into covenant relationship through your identification as an Israelite. In plain language, they were born saved because they were born Israelites. They were born Jewish. That was their theology. We, of course, know that's wrong. You can't be born saved. Uh, You can't be born with covenant membership at that level, not on a religious level, not on a a spiritual level. Maybe on a natural level, yeah, you could be brought into covenant membership through your heritage and the family you're birthed into. No problem with that. But at a spiritual level, there's no automatic... Um, salvation granted you just because your parents were Jewish. No, no. That's the error that Paul was trying to um, uh, tear apart, disrupt. What Paul is also explaining, though, is there's always going to be these people who think that their righteousness is rooted in what they do. It is just basic merit theology. You know, it's works religion 101. It's uh, because I do, then God saves me. So their works do equal salvation in their mind. And that's the way they conduct their lives. And so for those people, Paul's theology is going to tear that down as well. There is no keep the Torah to become saved uh, in the Bible either, even though that's not the primary argument that Paul's trying to um, uh, uh, disrupt or to tear down. Nevertheless, that is part of the argument. It's just more of a a subtext rather than a primary uh, concept. So that's all I'm trying to say here. In other words, I say in my commentary, the viewpoint helped by, excuse me, something stuck in my throat there. Uh, Let me start that sentence over. In other words, the viewpoint held by historic Christianity and Reformation Paul proponents is not completely off base. You know what I mean? When I say Reformation Paul, these people in today's standards who believe that Paul is um, combating merit theology and works righteousness as grounded in Torah obedience for salvation. These people who teach that that the Jews of Paul's day were somehow believing that their Torah obedience was going to um, um, be counted as covenant membership equals salvation. Even though I don't believe that's the way that the Jews in Paul's day were trying to wield their um, Torah observance, nevertheless, theology is accurate. You can't uh, can't keep the Torah to become saved uh, and your works don't equal salvation. So the Reformation message that we hear so often when we're listening to messages by, say, Calvin and Luther and other preachers after him from that Reformation period. uh, You know, you can't work your way into heaven. You can't earn salvation by your works, things like that. The theology is accurate, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that that, that's bad theology. I'm only saying that historically, that's not what Paul was uh, uh, trying to get at. Let's finish my own commentary here. Between his statement... And his proof text, Paul used the conjunction because, the Greek word is haughty, uh, to signal the immediate supporting proof text that would be covenant members, of course this is read here as the Gentiles, these Gentiles do not walk into Torah submission to gain covenant status. So that's a Possible way of interpreting Galatians 3:11, where he talks about you know the just live by faith and its context here in Galatians. Although again, I don't believe that's the primary context. I believe he's uh, again working against the whole misstation, uh, the misunderstanding of covenantal nomism, and uh, how one's born with Jewish status and how that plays into covenant membership and things like that. Go back and listen to last week's uh, podcast, or go back and watch the last YouTube videos that I uploaded the last five. And watch them in conjunction with this particular one, and you'll understand what I'm talking about there. And that'll do it for um, uh, uh, Exploring the Shema Discussions on the Issues of Trinity. Let's turn to our liturgy for tonight. We're almost done. Last week, we read Jeremiah 31, 31. This week, we'll just read one verse as well. We're going to read verse 32 right here uh, from the ESV, and we'll read the Hebrew Right there, over on the right side of the screen. Jeremiah 31, 32. The prophet says to Israel, this new covenant that we read about in verse 31, it is not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke though I was their husband, declares the Lord. So God promises that he's going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Obviously, obviously, if you are a Gentile, if you're not of the house of Judah, if you're not of the house of Israel, how do you participate in the new covenant? Of course, most of you are going to answer and say, well, easy. I place my faith in Jesus. And because he instituted the new covenant, then I become a part. And I would answer Correct. That is right. You are brought into new covenant through your faith in Messiah. Absolutely. Amen. Baruch Hashem. That is exactly how you, as a Gentile, become a participant in the new covenant. You place your faith in Yeshua, and He brings you in to covenant membership and into the kingdom of God. But, remember what we learned in my Roman study. The kingdom of God is a kingdom that God has already set up with israel and the new covenant god says he declares with israel and with judah so if you are a gentile and you haven't converted and you do believe in jesus then you're brought into the kingdom of god that includes the people of israel you become part of this kingdom and you become a participant in this kingdom i believe that paul would teach that you get grafted into israel at the remnant level you don't get grafted into national israel and become an israelite uh with national israelite status so that you can call yourself a jew that's not necessary nor is it accurate but you do become a spiritual israelite if you want to use that term you certainly become a child of abraham paul would teach that in in uh galatians chapter uh three and romans chapter four so um we know that's true but um uh uh is it Galatians 3 or is it Galatians 4? Yeah, I think it is Galatians 3 and Romans 4. I always get those two mixed up. But the point I'm trying to highlight is that as a Gentile, you are brought into um, uh, a connection with Israel at that, uh, at that peoplehood level. You are brought into the house of Israel even though you don't have to convert. I do believe you become a spiritual Israelite as a Gentile. What does the Hebrew say on the right side of the page? It says, Lo kabrit asher, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Yes. Lo kabrit asher karati et avotam beyom chesik he chesiki beyadam lachutzim me eretz Mitzrayim asher hema he feiru et briti vaanuki ba'alti vam neum Adonai. And that'll do it for the liturgy from the Tanakh. Let's turn to Galatians 3 and continue reading down through this. And we started in verse um, 10 last week, uh, talking about the works of the law. Now let's pick up in verse 11. Paul says, Now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, we just looked at it in my Shema study, right? Verse 11. Let's read that in Greek. Paul says, Hati de en namo." para And notice that the um, uh, the righteous is the word that we find right. Uh, let's see if I can highlight it. There we go. The dekaios, but the justified is right there. The dekaiutai. So. It's, you can see that they're, they're similar, decaiutai, decaios, it's the same root word, which I've hovered my mouse over it, should show up as Strong's number 1344 uh, and Strong 1342, you can even hear the numbers that they're related. Anyway, that'll do it for our liturgy for tonight. Let's turn to the video. Uh, we've got two videos to watch tonight. The first one is in Romans uh the, the righteousness, uh, the just shall live by faith, uh, the passage from Habakkuk. And then the second video is uh, Habakkuk. So after the videos are over, we'll simply turn to the um, closing and we'll dismiss in prayer. Okay, you guys ready? Here we go. Welcome to A Minute or Two with the Word. I'm your host, Torah teacher Ariel, where every few days we take a look at a relevant passage of Scripture that I find very fascinating and important for us to consider as Jews and Gentiles in Messiah. Let's talk about Romans 1.17. Let's start with the ESV English and then turn to the SBLGNT Greek for some additional insights. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The Greek says, in Okay, it's time to get a little technical with the Bible, but I pray it will be fun and formative as well. Many Bible translations have something similar to, the just shall live by faith, for the last clause of this verse. The original Greek word for faith in this clause is pistios. Moreover, most Bible readers already know that Paul is quoting from Habakkuk 2.4, in which the last clause of that verse is also usually translated as something like, the just shall live by faith. But the original Hebrew of this Habakkuk clause is, f'tzaddik be'emunato yichye. Now, the Hebrew word for faith in this clause is emunah, which could just as easily be translated as faithfulness instead of faith. We'll learn more about the faith slash faithfulness of Habakkuk 2.4 in the next short video teaching. For now, what we should be asking is, is it possible that Paul may have also had faithfulness in mind when he quoted from Habakkuk here in Romans? Does the just live by faith or is it by faithfulness? Since Romans 1.16 is Paul's undeniable declaration of God's salvation to everyone who believes, I think it's safe to say that faith is probably the primary thought that Paul is trying to convey to his readers first and foremost. The just shall live, that is, be saved, by faith in Yeshua. The emphasis is mine. Paul would never support merit theology or supposed salvation by good works. In closing, if faith is all we need, then what are we to make of the Habakkuk verse that Paul quoted from? Was Paul not concerned at all with faithfulness? Check out the next episode of A Minute or Two with the Word where we will look specifically at Habakkuk 2.4 and this important biblical faith versus faithfulness question. I think the answers just might surprise you. Two with the word. I'm your host, Torah Teacher Ariel. Where every few days we take a look at a relevant passage of Scripture that I find very fascinating and important for us to consider as Jews and Gentiles in Messiah. Last time we looked at Romans 1.17 and left off with an important cliffhanger question: What are we to make of the Habakkuk verse that Paul quoted from? Was the writer there also primarily conveying his faith, or was it his faithfulness? So let's talk about Habakkuk two four. Let's read the ESV English and then the Masoretic Hebrew. Behold. His soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. The Hebrew says, In Habakkuk 2.4, the last half of the verse is usually translated, the righteous shall live by his faith. But based on one Hebrew word in the verse, it could just as easily be translated, the righteous shall live by his faithfulness. The Hebrew word in munah is both faith and faithfulness, which is why NIV, NLT, NET, and GWT all have faithfulness for this word. Interestingly, Young's little translation has steadfastness. The origin words for faith and faithfulness share a noun and verb relationship in both Hebrew and Greek. The way I see it, faith and faithfulness function as two sides of the same coin, and that they are both precious in God's eyes. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we are saved by works. Perish the thought. I am saying genuine faith will lead... To genuine faithfulness this passage is a decisive verse for the Apostle Paul here the famous phrase the just shall live by faith must be understood from the original context of Habakkuk to mean that the righteous person lives on the basis of his faithfulness Habakkuk statement is made with this in mind the righteous that is those who have faith in God will live that is be protected and sustained by faith that is, by demonstrating a faithful trust in God and his promises. It is this understanding of faith that Paul carries into the argument of Romans and is sustained throughout the book. So in closing, the righteous shall live by his faith does not simply mean he will claim to have faith, but then do nothing about it. On the contrary, if he has genuine faith, then he will demonstrate genuine faithfulness to the God that he claims to have faith in. And in this faith and faithfulness, He shall indeed live. All right, let's close in prayer. I bless your name, and I thank you for this uh, wonderful time that we've had that we can spend studying your words and pouring through them um, with eyes opened by the Spirit of Messiah within us to help us to understand the text. We don't have perfect understanding, but what we can trust in is that you are revealing yourself to us through the pages of your word, and you're giving us this strengthened sense of of uh being confident about what we read uh and the um the relevancy of it for our lives we seek to like ezra has been uh, t- quoted we study in order to do in order to teach um we learned that from the ezra principle from the little video that we watched in my study last week uh, lord we know that um the faith that we have in you is designed by you to lead to faithfulness to you you are the king and this is your kingdom we both Jews and Gentiles in Messiah have been brought into this proper relationship to you through the finished work of Messiah and the fact that we place our faith in that finished work he is the righteous King that you have established on your throne and he is the only one that we will owe our allegiance to that he is the only one that we will recognize is the rightful ruler of this kingdom Thank you, Father, that that, uh, Yeshua is the righteous king that we can follow after. We pray for those around us who don't yet know Yeshua. We pray that he would buy our own effort reach out to them that he would use us to reach them that he would uh empower us to be witnesses to our friends and family members to our co-workers to the people we might even meet on the street give us holy boldness as we meet people give us a passion and a burning for the lost uh give us a burden for the lost help us to realize that we have a commission to go and to take this good news the good news of the king the good news that messiah can set you free from your bondage and bring you into a place where you are empowered to be blessed as you walk into his ways and this is the gospel kingdom that we want this is the gospel message that we want to proclaim so help us to not be ashamed Help us, Lord, to continue to bless one another and to walk in the Spirit, forgiving one another, to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians, this unspeakable joy that fills us, Lord, that gives us the um, supernatural power to be compassionate to one another, even when we've been wronged and and, uh, even when we we feel like we want to take revenge and lash out. Lord, that's not the walk of the Spirit. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. Help us to surrender to His uh, power within us and to Lead lives that are exemplary. Protect us from this evil pandemic. Give us a hope that looks beyond the headlines and that realizes that God is still working uh, in history to bring about His desired will in the life of 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 those who are His. Those who have surrendered their wills into His are going to be led by His will and are going to accomplish that which He has set out to do. Let us be your instruments, as um, the old a christian rock group um uh saying we are his hands we are his feet we are his people um let us be your people lord thank you for this uh time bless those who are um studying right along with me and bring us back together next week for another beneficial study and we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory Bisham yeshua amen That concludes our show for today. It is my desire that this continuing series of teachings will assist the average non-Jewish believer or new Messianic Jewish believer in his desire to become a more mature child of God. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. Yet the Lord set His affection on your forefathers and loved them, and He chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. Because the Torah is written on the hearts of all who truly name the name of Yeshua as Lord and Savior, it is meant to be followed to the best of our ability. We have no reason for fear of condemnation or the trappings of legalism. My name is Ariel Ben-Lyman Hanavi. The intro and outro song were written, produced, and performed by Ryan Kingsley. For more information on contacting Ryan, you can reach me by email at yeshua613 at hotmail.com. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A number 613 at hotmail.com. Or visit our website at graftedin.com. That's graftedin.com.